The second daily holy habit, the sacred act of worship is daily gratitude. And I want to take just a few moments to unpack daily gratitude. The daily gratitude of all of the habitual holy practices of a righteous person, those who have received the free gift of righteousness that only comes through Jesus, to me, this is the most instinctive one of all. Are you grateful? Are you practicing daily gratitude? It's amazing because I've done enough yoga in in enough different studios, and I hope it doesn't offend you because the downward dog has saved my lower back, okay? So it is what it is, all right? And I know some, some people email us and say, all of those are demonic acts of worship. Ladies and gentlemen, there are so many things that are demonic, but what God has blessed, no man can curse. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and I am not worried about demons and devils. I'm not. I'm sorry, I'm not. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Jesus goes with me wherever I go. And so I can make my bed in hell and he's there with me. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna keep doing yoga because it helps me golf. But when I do yoga, when I do yoga, I don't do the third eye for those keeping track because I don't know what that means, but I don't, you know, it's probably fine. But, 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 but I, they're always talking about daily gratitude. And sometimes I go to yoga and I think, how did yoga become closer to the New Testament narrative than even some of our Sunday church services and evangelicalism? I feel more relieved of stress and pain at yoga than sometimes I do in church, and it ought not to be that way. You ought to come here leaving thinking more about Jesus than yourself. We're not here on willpower and resolve. You can do that anywhere. You don't need Jesus and a superhero for that. We're here to celebrate that without Jesus, you're lost and broken and hurt and selfish and lost in your sin and full of shame and condemnation. But there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things are new. You're a new creation. Your life is hidden in Christ and you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Like this is our reality. So I don't need a yoga instructor, and if you are a yoga instructor, that's awesome, thank you for what you're doing, but I don't just wanna trust my yoga instructor to tell me I need daily gratitude. Where are the Jesus worshipers who are practicing daily gratitude? What am I grateful for? What am I grateful for? That's a question I can't answer quickly. I can't give you a short, abbreviated response. I have lost track. I am overwhelmed. I am undone with all the things I'm grateful for. Are you grateful? You're alive. I've told you the story before, but what changed my grieving process with my father, and this doesn't translate to everyone, it's, it, it's my journey and my story, but when I was on that plane to go say goodbye to my dad on life support in Las Vegas, the pastor of this church for some 20 years almost, I was bemoaning to God, I was complaining to God, I was saying, why do all the good guys have to die? What in the world is going on? And he said this, he said, am I not enough? I said, yeah, you are. You know that you're enough. That's a trick question. And all of a sudden, God gave me the glimpse that for 30 years, I got to have one of the great dads in modern history. And you know what happened? My grumbling turned into gratitude. And I started thanking God on that plane as my dad was slipping in. 
He was slipping out of the linear time-space continuum into what we call eternity, which I don't fully understand. But as I was going to say goodbye until I would say hello again in eternity, I started thanking God for 30 years of having such a great dad because I realize many don't. And that gratitude was one of the great catalysts in my own healing and in my own health. And to this day, I feel so grateful for my father who died at 60. Instead of going, where's God? How could my dad? Gratitude. Gratitude will change your view of your world. Are you practicing gratitude? Are you practicing gratitude? Now that brings me to the first Thessalonians passage, which I was trying to trick you to lead you to believe that belonged to the last sermon, but it belongs to this one. First Thessalonians chapter five, I think it's verses 16, 17, and 18. It says this, and what's interesting is these are broken up into three verses, but they're one sentence. They're one sentence. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This is interesting. Give thanks in all circumstance. Here's why you don't practice a lot of daily gratitude, and here's why I don't sometimes. I know all of you practice daily gratitude so much. But, you know, on the the rare days you don't, you know why? It's called circumstance. Your circumstance informs your gratitude meter. And you have got to change that. And the only way to change that is Jesus. Some of you, for instance, right? And and I'm not saying it's wrong, but when Christmas time rolls around, you'll be like, God, thank you that we're together. Thank you for this beautiful food. By the way, I highly recommend these gratitudes. These are great, but notice what they're connected to. Thank you for, we got a healthy body. I had an Uber driver drive. I said, man, how you doing? He said, man, I'm doing good. He, by the way, he asked if I was a Christian because I'm that nice of a guy. It's a long story. I don't want to brag, but I just did. And he said, he goes, hey, I'm breathing. I'm alive. I'm grateful. And I thought, that's good. It is good. But it's still connected to circumstance. So it says, give thanks in all circumstance. Do you know what that practice is doing? It's telling you that your gratitude meter shouldn't be connected to your circumstances. It's trying to disassociate your gratitude from limited small, short, linear time and space, which we keep saying to ourselves, oh, I'll be grateful if I could catch a break. But that's not how the orientation works of gratitude in Scripture. Be grateful in all circumstances. Let me tell you the most powerful time where you can be grateful, when nothing in your circumstances tell you that you should be grateful, because that's the time you get to be grateful for what's eternal. That's when you get to connect to a, uh, I was gonna say a time and place. There's no time there. That's when you connect to the eternal being that you are. So, So that's why I think in that airplane to go say goodbye to my dad in Las Vegas, something shifted inside of me because I started to be grateful as my hero was dying. And all of a sudden, I was like, well, then I can be grateful always. And it says, be grateful in all. Let me read this again. Rejoice 
always. Pray without ceasing. That pray without ceasing literally means just talk to God throughout your day. Just talk to God throughout your day. (laughs) I'm getting weird, guys. I'm getting so weird. I left a hotel room the day and I was like, thank you, room. That was a wonderful stay. And then I walked out. I'm losing, I'm losing it, all right? So I'm like, is our pastor losing it? Yes, I hope so. I'm starting to thank hotel rooms because I want to practice gratitude. And I just think it won't hurt. I start thinking, I thank my puppy every day. Louie, we're so happy that you get to be a part of our family. God gave you as our puppy, and we love you, buddy. And I'm like, I hope he hears me, and I don't think he does. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now listen to this, listen to this. For this is the will of God. What is going on? If I, come on, be honest. Church watching online. 97% of our church is online watching right now. Okay, listen to me. If I got up today and said, today I am going to show you what the will of God is for your life. All of you would go, oh, it is about time. He started coming with some serious content. Let's go. All he ever does is the gospel. It's about time. Like, bring it on, right? And I'm like, I am going to tell you today, church, what is 100% the perfect will of God for your life. Now, we hear will of God, and we think linear time and space. We hear, should I be a doctor? Should I be a lawyer? Should I be a policeman? Should I be a fireman? Should I be a teacher? Should I be, right? And we're like, tell me what the will of God is. Is it Austin? Is it, is, is it Pasadena? Is it Florida? Is it Dakota? Is it like Montana? Is it California? Is it San Diego? Is it Austin? You're like, tell me the will of God. And you know what the will of God isn't really caught up with? Exactly the perfect home in the perfect city you live in. Oh, that's a part of it. God cares about everything. He cares about the Capri Suns you've got to pick up for your kid's soccer practice. He cares about your parking spot during the holidays. He cares about everything. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. But you know what the will of God is? Here's the will of God. Here's the will of God for your life. Rejoice always. Always? Yeah. All the time. At funerals and weddings. Oh. Pray without ceasing. All right. Give thanks in all circumstances. All? Pastor, when you look up all, does it mean all? Yeah, even in the Aramaic, the Greek, and the Hebrew, it just means all. But this is the will of God. In Jesus for you. This is the will of God. That you rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. I got a sense that I think you got a sense that if we started living the will of God for our life, we we could change the world just by living like this. Imagine if every person you came in contact with was like, yeah, I worship Jesus. Jesus is my guy. I believe Jesus is the Savior. I think I'm a, I'm a Jesus guy. I'm a Christian. That's just it's what I do. And every person who claimed that rejoiced always, pray without ceasing, and gave thanks in all circumstances. Oh, by the way, if you're single and you find someone who's walking in the will of God, if you find someone who's rejoicing always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, marry them that afternoon. 
I don't care what the circumstances are. Marry him or her as fast as you can say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Because that's the kind of person you want to be around. What happened to our attractive lifestyle because of the finished work of Jesus? I said this before, but even statistics are telling us that Christians are just as anxious as everybody else. And I'm going, how can that be? Aren't we tethered to eternal truth? Don't we know this isn't home? Don't we know that Donald Trump and Joe Biden do not dictate whether or not we are grateful or rejoicing? Don't we know that these man-made constructs can't hold a candle to the eternal reality and eternal truth of God's kingdom? Why are we so busy blogging, tweeting, competing, comparing, complaining, and arguing, in some cases, mostly with each other within the church? And can I tell you why I think? Because we don't understand the kingdom of God. We think that you gain access to the kingdom of God by moral excellence and Bible knowledge. We believe that church attendance and giving your tithe is the essence of the kingdom of God, and it is not. It's righteousness, peace, and joy with a sense of God's presence. And that righteousness, peace, and joy sets you into daily worship like gratitude almost naturally. Now, here's something interesting, and I'm coming to a close. Gratitude is not natural. This we know. In other words, you don't, the babies don't come out going, thank you! They come out going, ah, put me back in there! Right? There's never been a baby born that's like, oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. It's like, what happened to my nice warm home? This is terrible. And we're like, it's okay. It's fun out here sometimes. <laughs> come hang with us. We're really happy. We rejoice always. Remember the lepers that got healed by Jesus? There was 10 of them. Do you remember how many came back? One, Luke 17. One, 10% are grateful. That sounds about right. That sounds about, I bet, I bet more people tithe than practice gratitude. The tithe is 10%. I, I bet less people, I bet we, more of us give 10% than are, are, are grateful every day. It's just not in our makeup. We're mostly a part of the nine because this is what happens. We get what we want from God, and we're on our way. Thanks. What is this? So this is the 90s. This is the early 2000s. This is like the early 2010s. And then 2019, we're like, whoa, 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 God, God, come on back. Come on back. Hold on. <sighs> My business just went bankrupt. I am coming back to you. It's really hard during 2020. So we tell you what, we need, we need the Lord. Well, we didn't need him as much in 98 or 99. Oh, yeah, we did. We just, the circumstances were different. Circumstances were different. We still need him. But that's what we do. And this is the cycle. The cycle is, we need to heal. We need to be healed. We need to be healed. We need to be healed. Okay, go do this and you'll be healed. Okay, okay. We're healed. Let's go on with our life. And God's like, I want to be your life. I want to be your hope. 
to be your source of gratitude. I want to be your source of honor. I am the one who never changes. I sit in the heavens and I laugh at my enemies. No one is my peer. There is no God beside our God. He's totally in control. He is the wonder of the ages. The content of his character is so majestic and so gregarious and so outrageous that it will fill time with no end. And every moment of eternity will be the unfolding manifestation of the content and the beauty and the majesty of his character. I thought he was life. I thought he was more important than our career. I thought he was more important than our reputation. I thought he was more important than our social standing. I thought he was life. And one leper came back and basically said to Jesus, I kind of figured it out because you said to go to the priest to show myself, but I thought if you're the one with the power to heal me, I don't need a priest. I have you, Jesus. You're the great high priest. I don't need the priest. I need you. Jesus insinuating that the other nine should have got the same revelation because he said, where is the other nine? Well, they're normal like the rest of us, Jesus. When you gave them what they wanted, they are busy living their life healed now. Isn't it amazing how we wanted God in the 80s? But then we built a big, massive, beautiful business, and we haven't wanted him the same since. Be careful what you wish for. Jesus said, what is the profit of man to gain the whole world, but in the process, lose his own soul? Or you could translate, lose sight of what really matters. Is he not, is he not the desire of all nations? Is he not the pearl of great price in the parable of the field? And Jesus says, you sell everything to buy the field, for within the field is the pearl of great price. And Jesus is the pearl. He's the pearl. He's the pearl. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And be grateful and thankful in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for your life because of Jesus. We're so busy in the church telling the next generation that they need to decipher the will of God. They don't need to decipher it. It's there in plain language. Evidently, God is more invested in your practice of gratitude than what you do for a living. But preachers don't tell anybody this. Because if you're like me, the only space I've ever lived in is linear time and space. And so when preachers don't magnify the importance of time and space, typically congregants don't prefer those sermons as much because I don't want a preacher to tell me that I'll be dead soon and then I'll be home. I want a preacher to tell me how I can move from making 50 grand a year to 200 grand a year. As if that's the goal. Now, I told you this before, I, am, I will be the first pastor in line. If you're asking for pastors to line up to pray with you to go from 50 grand to 200 grand in your annual income, I will be the first pastor in line to pray over you. Why wouldn't I pray for that? Why wouldn't I believe for that? I'm with you. Now, I'm not going to give you any advice because I'm not a financial counselor. I'm not a pep talk. 
That's not my job. My job isn't to tell you who to invest in and where to go and how to be a, a really cool business person. That, that's not what I do. My job is to tell you what's most important and then you live according to the steps that God's put in front of you. But some of us, we're so busy right now going, God, what's your, what's your will? And I just wanted to tell you today that I know what his will is for your life. It's that you rejoice all the time, that you talk to him throughout the day, and no matter what is around you, you give thanks. This is the will of God because it says in Christ Jesus, that literally means this is the will of God for your life because of Jesus. <laughs> because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, he did all the heavy lifting in the work. Now your life is a response of gratitude. God, thank you. Thank you. This is so cool, but it's not normal. I'm going to read an interesting statistic to you, but it, research has shown, by the way, recent research shows that gratitude increases your disposition. In fact, they say that it fires your frontal cortex even more, which by the way, helps you. Do you know that gratitude, science is telling us gratitude helps you make better decisions in life? Check it out. You can do the research yourself. They say up here we make our decisions, our decision-making in our brain, and they say when you're generous or you're grateful, when you're grateful, it helps this make better decisions. Which I think means when you're ugly and grumbling, I don't mean physically ugly, I mean verbally ugly. I mean attitude ugly. When you're ugly, you probably don't make as good of decisions. Of course, the architect of the ages has set up little wonderful bonuses to the will of God. Even the will of God will help you make better decisions. It takes 72 different muscles to produce speech. 72 muscles are engaged when you talk. On average, you speak 16,000 words a day, which wait for it, an average lifetime. That means you will speak 860.3 million words in a lifetime. 860 million words in a lifetime. Do you know what I think the will of God is? To make the majority of those rejoicing, prayer and gratitude. See, what you want is you want preachers to tell you how to get rid of your addiction. But I would like to take it a step higher and tell you what the will of God is. Because I got a sense that if out of the 860 million words you're going to use in your lifetime, if many of those are filled with rejoicing and prayer and gratitude, Maybe it will help your decision-making mechanism to make better decisions. Now, I'm going to take it a step further. Bear with me, okay? And I'm done. I'm landing the plane, and the, the band is coming out right now so that I'm done. Somebody like Judah, you say that every week, and none of us believe you. It's good. Next time, I'm going to give you a little key, because people love keys. Next time you are participating in what you think you're addicted to, I want you right in the middle of participating in your addiction. Please hear me. Because everybody wants preachers like me to tell them how to set them free from addiction. I want you to start 
practicing gratitude in the middle of your addiction. That's right. That's what I said. If alcohol is an addiction to you, by the way, alcohol can be used wonderfully. Make, make sure you pick up part two. We talk a little bit about that, okay? So I mean, like drinker, non-drinker, and that determines your whole definition of Christianity. We should probably all relax, okay? That's not the definition of Christianity. But let's say alcohol is your addiction. I'm being so serious. Next time you pour yourself a gin martini, while you're sipping it, I want you to thank God that he's your source that he's your savior and he's your deliverer. Now you've heard me say this before, but I'm going to take it a step further. And some people aren't going to like this, but I'm right. And you're wrong. The next time you're watching pornography, which I pray there won't be a next time, but if there is, but if there is, I mean what I say. The next time you're participating in your addiction, you are watching pornography. I want you to start thanking God that you are righteous, that you are his, and that he loves you, and he's proud of you. And then get back to me in a few weeks. You're going to be amazed. Well, I'm not saying it's all going to go away. In fact, I'll be the preacher who's honest enough to tell you you might have a propensity for this thing for the rest of your life. I'm not saying you're going to struggle with it for the rest of your life, but you might have a want to somewhere in the deep, dark recesses of your soul to always do this. And I don't understand how that works. Paul said, will you take this weakness away from me? And Jesus says, no, for when you are weak, then you are strong and my power rests upon you. We think the goal is perfection. No, the goal is to focus on the perfected work of Jesus. So I mean it, the next time maybe anger's your addiction, join my party. And you think this is silly, but it's true. I broke a seven iron the other day and it felt awesome. Snapped it across a tree. I was playing a guy who doesn't know Jesus and he said he was really excited to play with me because he's considering God in church, but he beat me so I didn't care. So I slammed my seven iron around the tree and it broke in half. And he goes, whoa. I go, man, I'm sorry. Kind of, not really. I'm angry. But as God is my witness, I'm so far from perfect. But I got in my car and I was driving away. And immediately here came the cloud, the low hanging cloud of shame. You are a train wreck. Look at you. You're out of control, bro. Your dad would never do this, and he wouldn't. My dad was one of those great men. He, the last time he had an anger outburst around sports was when he was in college. And he, the, the sweetest man, every time I had an anger outburst, he'd be like, now, son, Jesus met me in college, and I believe he'll meet you. I was like, he keeps meeting me, but he won't take it away. <laughs> you know? And I got in my car, and I said, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm his son, and he loves me, and he's proud of me. And I'm not defined by my anger problem. And honestly, it feels like an addiction sometimes. You know how you know what an addiction is sometimes? This is totally my opinion. This isn't the Bible. But it's like when you like it, when you do it again, but you like it. That's where it's like, okay, this is getting kind of weird. I'm enjoying getting angry. Like it's starting to feel fun. And I'm going, God, what 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 am I supposed to do? And what I've learned over a process of years, I haven't always done this. I start declaring who I am, and then I start thanking him. Thank you that you love me. 
Thank you that you set me free. Thank you that you never leave me nor forsake me. And I have to admit, I've made some progress. Uh, not a lot, but I'll tell you what I have made. The anger problem I have has brought me into a depth of my relationship with Jesus that I otherwise, I promise you, and I'm not proud of my anger problem, nor do I think, Jesus died for my anger problem, by the way. So I'm not promoting an anger problem. I'm not promoting pornography. I'm not promoting alcohol abuse or marijuana abuse. I'm not promoting those things, but I'm telling you, if you have an addiction, when you are weak, then you are strong and the power of Christ rests upon you. And even in the middle of participating in your addiction, you can start to use daily gratitude like a weapon. Let me tell you what my addiction will never do. It will never keep me from the will of God. Because the will of God is that I rejoice always. <laughs> and I pray without ceasing. And then I give thanks in all circumstances. And I can do that and so can you. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for the minutes, the moments. They're so brief, but they're so rich. Being here with each other, there's a richness, there's a beauty, there's a majesty in this room and in all the rooms watching right now. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. You are wonderful and you are beautiful and you are indescribable. If you're here today watching or in this auditorium and you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness, you would like to respond, hear me, respond, not react, not resolve, but respond. If you'd like to respond to what Jesus has done for you, which is another word for receive, which is another word for believe. If you want to believe in Jesus and receive the forgiveness of all your error, your wrong, and your sin, past, present, future, that's how good this news is. You can receive that right now in one moment of receptivity in one moment of divine persuasion, you can receive Jesus. If that's you on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand in this room and rooms all over the world. You know who you are. One, two, three. If that's you, shoot your hand up all over the room. God, you see these hands receiving your free forgiveness, receiving your love, receiving your acceptance, receiving your salvation. And I thank you who you set free. You set free eternally. You set free forever. You set free completely. And we celebrate that. God, it is easy to walk in honor and gratitude in light of who you are and what you've done. We love you, Jesus. Now we dedicate these remaining moments we have together. Use music and melody and harmony as a platform to connect with you. We want to connect with you. We want to see you. We want to experience the spirit of our holy God. The spirit form of God is in this room. I pray that the spirit form of God would be upon us and around us and within us and energizing us. Lift up our eyes from whence comes our help. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Your name is a strong tower that we can run into and be saved. You said that you would hide us under the shadow of your wings. You said that you would prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies and surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. You said that you would do a new thing. You said that you'd make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You said, God, that your love is everlasting. You said that you will separate us from our air, our wrong, and our sin as far as the east is from the west. There is 
is no God beside our God. You are great and you are greatly to be praised. And today our minds and our bodies and our bones and our souls, they're filled with a good theme. And our theme is that our God is great and he's greatly to be praised. You are the perfect one. You are the righteous one. You are the one that provides. You are the one that delivers. You are the one that heals. You are the one that restores. You are love. You are justice. You are goodness. You are glory. This is who you are. And we love you. And it's our honor and it's our privilege to worship you and to serve at your beck and call, to serve at your leisure. We love you, Jesus.